goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ditto heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. You're non crabby, Bo Snurdly. I was asked. Scott asked me, Are you a crabby mood today? No, I'm not in a crabby mood today. We'll see. Do I sound like I'm in a crabby mood? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not in the crappy mood today. 800-848-WABC is the number to call if you want to be on the program today. 800-848-WABC. Gang's all here. Um, let us start with this, ladies and gentlemen. This story, I am shocked. No, I'm not. I should be shocked that this story is not front page news on the mainstream outlets. I lived through Watergate. I remember, and I know I'm dating myself with that, and many of you my age or older, somewhat younger, that lived through Watergate will remember the relentless buildup. Every single piece of information that they could get, the Washington Post in those days, was splattered all over the front page and then picked up by national news sources sources until the Democrats were able to get their objective, which was to get Richard Nixon to get out of office. If you go through what George Bush 43 went through, remember the aftermath of him going into Iraq every day, there was something else to try to discredit him. That was front page. You all lived through what Donald Trump went through. The phony Russian collusion hoax. The two impeachments based on nothing. And how the news was dominated by this stuff day after day after day. Today there are stories that indicate the level to which the Biden administration has tried to shut down legitimate inquiry into the Hunter Biden slash Joe Biden family business. And the first story, I'll use the story, you can find it at the Daily BS today, the dailybs.com. Merrick Garland reportedly identified as senior official in Hunter Biden whistleblower complaint. This story should be leading the news. A whistleblower is, has offered sworn testimony, an IRS whistleblower, and casting doubt 
on the Justice Department's ongoing investigation of Hunter Biden. The lawyer representing that whistleblower sent a bombshell letter to Congress earlier this week on Wednesday alleging that a high-profile controversial case managed by the DOJ confirmed by reports to be the investigation into Hunter Biden Hunter Biden faced clear conflicts of interest the whistleblower further claimed to have information that contradicted the sworn testimony of a senior Biden official that official according to the New York Post, Washington Examiner, and Daily Mail, is none other than Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States of America. Now this, whether it is proven or not, is worthy of news. The number one law enforcement official in the country the head of the Department of Justice has now been accused of standing in the way, or at least having of conflicts of interest in the investigation of the President of the United States' son. And yet, if you look at some of the regular news outlets, this story is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. And I guarantee you, when you turn on network news tonight, it will not be the lead story, and and perhaps I doubt whether it will even be covered. This is why we have two different news universes in the United States. This is why you can talk to people on the left and you raise factual information and they look at you as if you're crazy. And they tell you, oh, this is just more of that right-wing garbage, you're making it up. Because their partisan press, their partisan News-gathering operations are not even pretending to be good journalists anymore. This is the kind of story, regardless of which side of the political aisle you are on, the American public deserves to know about it. In April 22... 2022, Garland testified under oath that there would be no interference of any political or improper kind with regard to the investigation of Hunter Biden. Under oath. And now we have whistleblowers that are raising claims that would dispute the veracity of that statement. And yet, you will not find it. The story, half the country, I promise you, today, half the country or more doesn't even know this story exists because the mainstream press in this country refuses for purely partisan ideological reasons to actually print the news. And yet the Washington Post will gladly proclaim on their masthead that democracy dies in darkness. 
What is dying in darkness today are details of the Hunter Biden story that every American concerned about the news should know. What is dying in darkness today is the truth because it is deemed too politically advantageous to the opponents of Joe Biden to print the news. Then we have this story. Blinken. Biden campaign behind Intel officials' letter to discredit Hunter Biden lap story. An ex-CIA boss testifies. This is AmericanWireNews.com. If you're going to look for this story on the front pages of the New York Times, of the L.A. Times, of the Washington Post, if you're going to look for this story splashed all over the evening news tonight on ABC, CBS, NBC, you will be disappointed. Once again, this is why half the country is oblivious to what really happens. And when you raise it, they call you a partisan and they think you're crazy. This story begins this way. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was the driving force behind an October 2020 letter signed by 51 intelligence officials claiming that a bombshell story on Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Now, remember, the New York Post was suppressed. They ran the story about Hunter Biden's laptop Twitter, then in the hands of the liberal left, immediately kicked the New York Post off of its platform. If you raise this on the left social media platforms, you were censored in many cases. It was never reported. The laptop story, discredited. Oh, this is just a bunch of Russian disinformation trying to influence, influence the election. And who was behind it? Joe Biden's Secretary of State led the effort to lie to the American people and say that this story was nothing more than disinformation from America's enemy, Russia. The stunning revelation that Blinken spearheaded the efforts to discredit the New York Post story, which could have changed the results of an election, altered the trajectory of history was made by Mike Morrell, an acting CIA director under Barack Obama. This is not coming from some kind of right-wing, oh, he's a, one of those MAGA people. This was Barack Obama's acting CIA director who said and is saying that now sitting Secretary of State, which is, in pecking order, the number one cabinet position in America, that Anthony Blinken was the one that assembled the, the story, these, these letters 
the signatories to the letter that claimed from the intelligence community, these people knew they were lying or they should have known if they are truly in the intelligence community. They should have known. But yet this letter went out and half the people in this country believed it. Oh, that's just a bunch of BS. It's just a bunch of lies from the right. It's just a bunch of these Trump MAGA people trying to pick on Hunter Biden. They knew, or they should have known, that this was not disinformation and it was not from Russia. The Secretary of State should today be facing questions from the entire Washington press corps. But he's not. You know what the Washington press corps and others in the mainstream press are concerned with? Well, some of them, I don't think it's fair to say the Washington press corps, but many people in the mainstream press, you know what they were concerned with? Their biggest concern was a picture in the Daily Mail from Nikki Haley's daughter's wedding. And the picture showed it was a poorly contrasted picture, and people believed that Nikki Haley was wearing white, and her daughter was also, as the bride, wearing white. And how dare she wear white? She actually had mainstream reporters asking her about her choice of a dress color. As it turns out, that was misreported too. She was wearing a gold dress, not a white dress. But all this is going on. This is the upper echelon of the Biden administration. Merrick Garland should be facing an onslaught of reporters today, as should Anthony Blinken. They should all be standing out in front of a massive sea of reporters asking about their actions, and they are not. The mainstream refuses to report on what you now know, if you didn't know already. The Garland story broke last night. Yet today, half a day later, half the country doesn't even know about it. Unless they go to talk radio sources, or unless they read conservative publications. They don't know. Journalism in America is dead. Good journalism, it is corrupt on the left anyway. It is corrupt and it is dead. Merrick Garland should face all kind of inquiries. You remember, he also led us to believe he had nothing to do with that letter that was sent from the Department of Justice to the FBI, asking FBI to investigate parents who were showing up to school board meetings. Never once did the press cover the fact that that Garland has familial relations that benefit from having CRT and some of this sexually questionable material in classrooms 
his son-in-law apparently is one of the major contractors that has a lot of this information being disseminated to children in schools. And never once was he asked about his own role in this conflict of interest. When he was sending a letter urging the FBI to look at parents as domestic terrorists. This administration is proving itself to be corrupt on many levels. The only thing more apparently corrupt than certain members of the Biden administration are members of the press. They see these stories. Make no mistake about it. They know these stories are out there, and yet they refuse to print them. As a result of that, they refuse to publish them, uh, refuse to cover them on television. And as a result of that, this very night, half of America, at least half of America, doesn't know what's going on. The corruption is on a level that we have never seen in this country before. James Golden, Snurdy with you here. W. ABC. Eight hundred, eight four eight WABC. Give us a call. This is the Rush Hour with those Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Before this song, I never knew what it sounded like when doves cry. Now I know when doves cry, it just sounds like doo 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 doo. Here he is on the anniversary of Prince's death, making fun. I'm not making fun of Prince. You are making fun of Prince. I just don't understand what this song is about. 2016, on this date, Prince was found dead at his home in. Minnesota at the age of 57 years old. The Paisley Park Estate found his body in a lift. What are we in England? They found it in an elevator. Found him in a lift. <laughs> Mark Stein wrote that. <laughs> and here we are on the anniversary of his death with uh, Scott Soko making fun. Making fun. Not making making fun. fun. No, I'm a big fan. I like this song. I'm not making fun of it. I just find it odd that the hook of the song is this is what it sounds like when doves cry, and the explanation for what they sound like is do 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 do. 
Inquiring mind. I just want to know. You want to know. Well, this is what it sounds like. What it sounds like right here. No, that's the dub. That's what it sounds like. That's the cry right there. That kind of Michael Jackson sound. He does a good Michael Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Yes. Um, That's why I'm here. The manifesto. We have all been wondering what happened to the manifesto. Now, imagine yourself one day sitting at TV and some MAGA guy, red hat, MAGA thing, MAGA t-shirts, MAGA pants, MAGA shoes, goes up to a Christian school and starts lighting the joint up and kills children. And then the police go to Mr. MAGA's house and they find out that Mr. MAGA has a manifesto. How long do you think it would take for that manifesto to be released for the public to find out what was this madman thinking? I believe it would be released that night or within hours. Here we are, weeks after this Tennessee horrific shooting in which children were killed, educated, killed. The Nashville shooter, a transgender who went by the name of Audrey Hale, has a manifesto that is still unreleased. But now we're getting a little bit of a leak as to why it has not been released. And this leak is intentional because they know that people want to know where's the manifesto. And so, according to a Metro Nashville Council member, Courtney Johnston, well, what I was told, Courtney Johnston says, her manifesto was a blueprint on total destruction And it was so detailed at the level of what she had planned. The document in the wrong person's hands would be astronomically dangerous. Parts of the manifesto will eventually be released. See what they're telling us already? They're already telling us we're never going to release the full thing. We're never going, we are going to edit what we release on this manifesto. This is what's called, this is what's called, a balloon. It's sent up there and released so that to prepare the public for what's going to happen and to see whether this is going to be shot down. It's a test balloon. Let's see whether they'll buy this story. That's all this selective leak is. So what we're supposed to get is, oh my gosh, The transgender manifesto, if it gets in the wrong hands, we're going to see death and destruction everywhere. From the manifesto of a dead man that claimed to be a woman. Really? It's so explosive that we're worrying about it getting in the wrong hands. So we're only going to release parts of it. So in other words, what we're being told is when they do get around to releasing some, it will be highly edited and you will never learn the truth. 
because it's too dangerous for you to know the truth of why a transgendered person went into a school and shot up children. I'm telling you, there is a word for this, and it is flat-out bull, and you can put the rest of the other word to it. This, again, is the Justice Department. This is the corrupt Justice Department of the United States at work. Totally corrupt. This is about protecting transgender ideology and the Biden stance on transgenderism. There's nothing more that this could be about. We are not going to release, or we'll, we'll, we'll tell you people a little bit in the future, but it's so dangerous. It's just so dangerous. We can't release the full manifesto because we don't want people, why people would take this thing and they would, the wrong person, oh no, it would result in more horror. I would just say, if you believe this, then I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. This is flat out nonsense what we're getting from this government. And the way that they, so all of a sudden, the tool for this is some metro uh, council person. How does a metro, ask yourself, how does one person in Nashville, a member of the city council, get the inside track on what the FBI is thinking? That doesn't happen by accident. This is a designed, planted story so that you will, oh my goodness, it must be so terrible. We can't let the public know what was in this manifesto. This is garbage. And you're supposed to just lap it up because you trust the government to tell you the truth. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. More. And your call's coming up, too. We're not done. More news. More calls. On Bo Snurley's Rush Hour, don't go away. Crime running rampant in New York. You need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347 559 7052. 347 559 7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What is this? And, and why are we playing it's it? It's the song you reference every other day when you're talking about Ronnie Spector. Oh. Oh, this must be Eddie Money. Yes. Do you like it, Bo? Yes, I love it. 
I, I remember it now. I didn't remember the intro. Oh, the intro's the best. Man, you know what? You can actually listen to music from this era, and it sounds good. album was really good. Oh, Scott, this is what you used to play when you were trying to, when you were young and single? When, I was, when I was 10, yes. Yes, when I was young and 10 and single. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years old. I think it was in 1986. Let's go to the telephone, shall we? Let us start with uh, Tom in Woodbridge. No, let's Tom. Tom in Woodbridge, how are you? Uh, good, <clears throat> good afternoon. Uh, reasonably well. Hope you're doing the same. Uh, very briefly, wanted to comment on the uh, disaster unfolding at the southern border. Now, many people think that you know the lack of a physical barrier uh, at the border would stop the tidal wave or really tsunami of uh, illegal immigration now inundating the United States at the moment. And that simply is not true. Uh, because what actually is drawing uh, migrants to the United States is not uh, the free market that enables them to work and prosper, at least with regard to what's happening at the southern border and people coming illegally. They're drawn by the welfare magnet. And what do I mean by that? You know, because basically you're having uh, Yes, I mean, they're coming by the millions uh, across the border. But again, the people who are ophthalmologists in Mexico, they're very content to live in Juarez. Uh, the people who are uh, neurosurgeons and cancer uh, and oncologists, you know, they're very content to make a living for themselves in Acapulco, Acapulco or Veracruz. They're not swimming the border at the Rio Grande. The people who are swimming the border at the Rio Grande are the campesinos with the third grade educations who can barely eke out a living in Mexico. Therefore, they're coming to the United States with no economic basis for supporting themselves once they get here. Therefore, once they're here, they're going to be subsidized one way or another by the American taxpayer. Now, even when they manage to find some service sector work as landscapers, gardeners, or what have you, nevertheless, these people have ample, ample opportunity to get on public assistance. They qualify for food stamps, WIC, Medicaid, housing subsidies, you name it. You, you look at Cal California and uh, Texas and other southern states, you have hospitals that are completely bankrupt. Why? Because illegal aliens are using ERs, emergency rooms, as primary care clinics. Do you know how enormously expensive it okay, is? Okay, let me stop the speech here because everything that you said is inarguable to me. And I think most of us know that. But let's get to the point that I believe you started this from, which is that we are seeing another tidal wave of illegal immigrants already lining up to get in. And there is a date in May, I reported on this earlier in the week, and I don't have the date in front of me, when Title 42 is going to officially end. The Biden administration claims that they have a plan in place. But from all indications, there is no plan in place at all to prevent another massive surge. Now, you also said millions of people come in. Some people, Tom, would take issue with you and they say, oh, oh, he's exaggerating. Tom is not exaggerating. This year, between this year and last year, the size of the immigrant, illegal immigrants 
entry into the United States is expected to be 4.6 million people. 4.6 million people, which is larger than the size of many cities in the United States. This is a problem that is beyond a crisis, and yet when you ask the head of domestic homeland security, Mayorkas, about whether it's a crisis, he will not even admit that this is the crisis situation. Tom, quickly wrap up. I want to move on to some other calls. You were absolutely right in everything that you said. Okay, so in addition to a physical barrier, a wall at the border, you also need to get rid of the welfare magnet. That is, plain and simple, make it illegal for any illegal to qualify for uh, public safety, uh, public assistance benefits. That is the single thing that's drawing them here. They would, you wouldn't need to deport them. They would leave voluntarily because there would be no economic basis for them to stay here. Make Proposition 187, what was tried in California, federal law. Deny them the welfare benefits and they'll leave voluntarily. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Connecticut, Adam, you're up next on WABC Talk Radio 77. Hey, Bo. Uh, rest in peace, Prince. He was the Mozart of our generation. Um, and I also think, based on your taste in music, I don't think you're half an, as angry a person as you pretend to be on the radio because you've got good taste in music and music heals the soul. <laughs> I will say, I will say, however, um, that that Republicans have every right to be angry about uh, the Blinken story. Blinken story. If it's true um, that he should actually be held responsible, um, election denying election interference is a major issue. But uh, under, you know, fair rules, uh, Trump paying off a porn star in 2016 in order to keep that story from tilting what I was a very close election. Uh, Trump should also be held accountable. And thus, I think the um, trial that he's under right now for changing that uh, outcome is fair and just. Okay, let's assume for a moment, even though I don't agree with you, Adam, that you're right about Trump. It was a misdemeanor, even at best. It was not what you say it is. Meaning an attempt. Yeah, it's look, there's no person in the world, and we heard this during the time when Bill Clinton was was boinking the intern. You remember back then, Adam? Remember when Clinton was boinking the intern and shoving cigars up the intern? I'm sorry to be so graphic about it, but that's what he did. Do you remember? Do you, were you around then? Do you remember that, Adam? I'm 50, so I, I remember very well, but I will Okay, now, was- wait, wait. Let me finish my point then, since you remember it. Remember what we were told from every Democrat under, and liberal under the sun. Why, this is his personal life, and this has no bearing on the work that he does for the American people. Of course he lied about it. Nobody wants to admit their their foibles that they did this. No one wants to embarrass their family and their wife by admitting they were out boinking the intern. Remember all that stuff that you guys used to say when Bill Clinton was boinking that intern? Do you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But what I would say is this. Uh, it happened in his second term, and uh, he certainly paid a political price for it at the end of his term. But I will say this, that Trump, what Trump did was an actual federal crime. And he and he uh-uh. and, and what Trump did in Georgia and what Trump did in Georgia, asking for the secretary of state to find 11,000 votes to overturn the Georgia election. All of that is a federal crime and he should be. Held OK, let me it. let me now. Now, when when you say when Trump did by asking to find the votes, that depends on what the meaning of is is to use another Clinton uh, expression. Find me the vote doesn't mean go and manufacture the vote. 
it means I know there are votes out here. I need my team to go find my votes, the people that voted for me. Because there's a widespread belief, Adam, whether you will acknowledge this or not, there was a, a widespread belief on the right that people on the left fix elections, that they suppress the votes of Republicans, and that they manufacture votes from the left. And so a politician saying, find me the votes, didn't say, go manufacture votes. Find me my votes. Adam, your turn. Okay, Bo, who created this belief that there was a problem in the election? It was Trump, and he started it even before. No, who created this? No, who created this problem was the Democrat Party from stealing elections, going back to JFK, to this idea that you can ballot harvest, which is nothing more than an attempt to get around election law that one person, one ballot, and only one person should have the ballot. When your side started with this ballot harvesting nonsense, it was a license to steal. And people aren't stupid. We know what you people are doing. Now, is it very difficult to prove election theft? Absolutely. And can many of the stuff that you do behind closed doors, your party, can it be proven? Not unless you're in there with them. But please don't pretend that we're stupid. Because we certainly know what this ballot harvesting scam is all about. Your turn, Adam. Ballot harvesting. He was saying that there are actually election fraud via Dominion voting machines. And Fox News is paying $787 million right now because of the lies they told. Trump should be faced with a jury, and the jury can decide. That's, that's what you gave was a Now, you've never hard. heard me, by the way, with the D word, claim that Dominion did anything. And let me tell you something. I was taken to a back room of conservatives. I haven't ever talked about this before. And some of them have been mentioned in these trials. I've been taken there, and they showed me this alleged evidence early on. And you know what I told them? I said, I don't understand this evidence that you're explaining to me. And if I don't understand it, the American people are not going to understand it, and you need to do a better job before you go out and claim that there's voter fraud. You better be able to explain this to the American people in ways that are convincing and that they understand. And you know what they didn't do? They never did that. They never explained to the American people. They were going through looking at what they call um, stuff with the machines and all this. I don't want to get into the weeds on it. But I was I saw this stuff years before it became public. And I refused to go along with it because you did not explain to me in ways that it, it made sense. So, Adam, you and I do have. So I, I'm not going to say that you're right, but I'm going to say you make a point when it comes to that aspect of your argument, because I don't think it was believable. So I'm going to give you the last word, Adam, and I'm really over time and I got to go. And I thank you, by the way. And I'm not an angry person, except I get angry at the lies that the left tells, just like they didn't tell this truth about this story about Merrick Garland. There's no way this shouldn't be front page news today. You get the last word. All right. All I'll say is we love the same music. I'm a musician. Let, listen to good music if you're angry. Don't pay too much attention. You have a great show. Even though I'm liberal, I do love the arguments on your show. And uh, just live in music, you know, don't buy into all the rest of the BS. And Prince. And here's what I'm going to say, Adam. I love the fact that you're a liberal who listens to this show. Tell your liberal friends about it. 
you are always free to call in. You will always get treated with respect here because we should be able to talk with each other. And then at the end of the day, you and I should be able to go out and hang and listen to good music together. Love, man. Talk to you later. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, we're coming back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, what a night of doo-wop and rock and roll is coming to the Bergen Performing Arts Center on Saturday, May 6th. I have a pair of tickets right now for you. Kenny Vance and the Plano Tones, Cleveland Still in the Dubs, the Dan Lears, and more. If you're the seventh caller right now, 800-848-WABC, a pair of tickets will be yours to Oh, What a Night of Doo-Wop and Rock and Roll. You won't want to miss this show, folks. That's 800-848-9222 if you are the seventh caller. You'll be heading to Oh, What a Night of Doo-Wop and Rock and Roll Saturday, May 6th at Bergen Pack. It's five minutes from the George Washington Bridge in good old Englewood, New Jersey. Good luck. Let's head back to the telephones. My man Gino is in the Bronx. Gino, how are you? You know, Bo, I've been listening to you with this nonsense about not doing boycotts against the left, and I'm going yeah. to tell it to you straight. I'm taking away your eggplant parmesan dinner, and I'm going oh, to come on. you. No, Gino, you're boycotting me. No. Gino, I, first of all, for the record, I never said don't boycott. I said I don't care whether you drink Bud Light or not. That's what I said. I never told people not to boycott. And, you, Gino, do you know why I don't care about what, what people do with that stuff? Gino? You, you haven't advocated not doing boycotts. And you don't want to use the tactics of the left because, of course, you're not of Italian descent like I am. When you do a vendetta, you stick it to them, and you stick it to them worse than the way they stick it to you. Because that's the only way they learn. They learn by giving, escalating the level of stickness. You understand? You screw them worse than they screwed you. Because they won't learn unless you do that to them. And if you haven't learned by now... Goodbye to you, eggplant parmesan, I mean, in, and goodbye to our friends. In, in fairness, Gino, James does have Irish in him. Gino, let me ask you a question. What has all this carpet bombing each other done to this country? I'm being really serious about that right now. Yeah, you stick it to me. Okay, I stick it to you worse. Okay, then you come back and you stick it to me worse, and then I stick it to you worse. And then we stick it to each other worse, and we keep sticking each other and sticking each other. You know what, Gino? You know, you know what we need right now? We, need, we don't need people to keep sticking it to each other. We need for an adult in the room to say, you know what? Enjoy your life. I'm going to enjoy my life. We can disagree. We don't have to hate each other. We don't have to keep sticking it to each other. We don't have to keep going out on each other. Let's enjoy freedom and happiness, and let's go out and get some eggplant from Geno's, and let's be happy. That's what we need, Gino. Neil in Brooklyn, New York. How are you? How are you, Neil? All right. Thank you, Mr. Goldman. Uh, early, early. Hold on, Neil. One second. We have a winner. 
by the way, for our do-up night, so you can stop calling for that now. We found out what it Now, Neil, go ahead. Time is moving on. Okay, early in the uh, Watergate thing, I was dating a girl who had a younger brother who was a big um, Nixon supporter. He was he, he about 14 years old. And I told him that, that I thought he was going to get impeached and taken out of office. And he, uh, he it wasn't as you know vitriolic as things are today, but we disagreed. And I told him I thought he would get uh, impeached. So when he did get impeached, I sort of felt good because I was right. But I was depressed for about six months after that happened because, you know, just the fact that a president was removed. Anyway, uh, during during the Russia, Russia, Russia thing, I would watch um, Rachel Maddow, and she would, would replay old uh, news news uh, reports from Watergate, and it really became so obvious. It, it was it was just pushed by the fact that they were not ignoring this story, and they they put Nixon in a situation where he made mistakes because they they added the pressure. It's it's driven by them. I mean. And, you know, like Rush used to say, the Democrats in the media, you know, and anyway. Well, one thing, Richard Nixon left office when it became apparent to him that he could not survive an impeachment vote in the Senate. But everything else you had exactly right. And I'm going to say it again. I'm tired of the carpet bombing, folks. This is America, you know. And do I support boycotts? I didn't. But I'm going to say to you, I don't like boycotts. I understand they're necessary sometimes. But I don't like them because that is a weapon of choice that they have used on us conservatives. And I'm tired of this. Let's stick it to them. Let's stay. And look, I believe in and you've heard me say things have to be answered politically. And I will continue to say that you can't have one side just doing all moves without answering it back. But we there's a lot to be said about attitude. I don't want to destroy people. I don't want to destroy people. I want to build this country back up. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. Gratitude and love to each. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for the Radio Extravaganza. I hope you're here with us to have that first cup of coffee. 7 a.m. tomorrow. God bless you. Bye.